scripture that we might meet you afresh as the living God and we open up our hearts to receive from you in Jesus name and everybody said amen thank you please be seated everybody welcome and good morning to you great to be here uh let me just make a mention uh before I begin here that uh in two weeks Jerry's doing a conference actually in New Jersey uh an emotional the woman's conference we've a lot of that EH skills as well and it's open to anybody who wants to come it's about an hour and 50 minutes away from here I know there's some folks going so if you're interested, there's a flyer downstairs and a, the website you can contact the people who are sponsoring it from. All right? Thank you. With that, let me begin. Our, our, our theme uh, today is uh, you are sent. Now, at New Life, we, we celebrate what we call the, the Christian calendar. In other words, we, we mark the primary events of the church through history because each one is so significant to us. Christmas, you know, the birth of Jesus into the world, the birth of God's entrance, and Easter, the resurrection of Christ, and in two weeks, it's going to be Pentecost. We'll talk about uh, the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, and, and the release of the Holy Spirit, and transforming people's lives all over the world. And uh, today, the theme is about the Holy Spirit changing us, and moving in us uh, through the risen Christ, and because and, and, He moves, God through the Holy Spirit moves in amazing ways. In the last hundred years, uh, there's been an explosive move of God uh, in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America. And uh, a good friend of mine, a church historian, has written quite a bit about this. So, for example, in Africa, uh, in the year 1910, there was 10 million Christians. By the 1970, there was 144 million Christians. By 2015, there was 513 million Christians. It went from 9% of the population in 1910 to more than 53% of the population today. Could you imagine? Staggering. I mean, if you, I don't know if you're aware, the largest church in Europe is led by an African. I mean, Africans are planting churches all over New York, the United States, Europe, and around the world. It's a great move. And uh, one of the largest churches in Africa was founded by an African Christian prophet named Simon Kimbangu. And he's from the Congo. And he received uh, a direct vision from God. And it, so it was so powerful that he began to preach and teach in this town in the Congo that so many miraculous things were happening that it was called the New Jerusalem. People just started flocking there. But after five months, the government shut it down. They, they gave him you know, 120 lashes, and they sent him 1,000 miles away to prison, uh, where he eventually died 30 years later. Now, the, it's called the Kimbagas Church. Today, that that guy started has 5 million people in it. And they say that never in history has anybody in five months accomplished such a thing. It's amazing. Another fellow is named John Sung. Uh, few people know him outside of China or Southeast Asia. And uh, he's from a Christian home in China. Eventually got his Ph.D. in chemistry. But he remembered, after getting his Ph.D., that God had a call on his life. And so he came to New York City to Union Theological Seminary in Manhattan to go to school. But he was so disappointed by the professors because they were so liberal. He was so discouraged. And then, as a student, he, it was 1926, he went to a meeting in Harlem that was being led by a 15-year-old female evangelist. 15-year-old. God touched him so powerfully that he returned to his dorm room a changed man. For the next six weeks... He was weeping over his sins, pleading with God 
and receiving visions of Jesus Christ. The seminary thought he had a mental illness. So they put him in a mental institution for 197 days. And during that 197 days, he just started reading through the whole Bible. He read through it 40 times. And every time he read through it, he looked for a different theme of the Bible. So at that point, he left and returned to China. And was, at that point, forever, like, you know, done with Western missionaries and Western theologians. And the West in general. And all he had was his Bible. So he began to preach. From 1926 to 1936, this guy with the Bible, they say he led 100,000 people to Christ. And then he began to travel around Southeast Asia. And they say he has preached to more people than Billy Graham ever did. But most of us have never even heard the guy. And now just think, in China today, there's 82 million Communist Party members. But in China today, there's 110 Christians. 110 million Christians. 82 million Communist Party members, 110 million Christians. I mean, it's been that kind of move that's gone on there in mainland China. Now, I say this because those are two extraordinary stories. Whoa. I mean, and we think, wow. I mean, those people have a call from God on their lives, for sure. Uh, but the title today is about not just that these two guys were sent, you are sent. That your life may feel very ordinary, but it's actually equally as extraordinary. And so I want to read this passage for you here in John 20. And it's a great passage. It's uh, after Jesus has been crucified, and it's his first appearance to the disciples. And here's what it says. On the first evening of that first day of the week, when the, that, that, that's why we gather on Sundays, you know. It's the first day of the week is Sunday. That's how it moved from the Sabbath to Sunday was Jesus' appearances happened on Sundays. It was a resurrection. We celebrate every week the resurrection. Side note. Sorry. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So I want you to repeat after me, all right? This is the theme of the sermon. I am sent. Ready? Imagine waking up in the morning. Hmm. I am sent. Ready? I am sent. That's what I want you to hold on to. All right. So Jesus begins, and he says to them twice. He, he appears to them. He comes into their midst, and he says, peace be with you. Twice. Peace be with you. Now, the context here of these disciples have been a colossal failure. I mean, they have left Jesus at the worst possible moment. They abandoned him. They're, now they've been shamed and, and, and disappointments. And, you know, if I was Jesus, he appears to them and said, you know, hey, you bums, you, you. What kind of friends are you? Where's your faith? You know, Repent. Get your act together here. Straighten up, Peter. You know. Or if I was Jesus, I'd say, you know, I'm here because I have to be here. I have to love you because the Father told me to love you. You know, I had a coach in, in uh, I ran cross country in high school. And when we would lose a, a cross country meet, we travel on the, one of those yellow school buses. You know, we'd get back to, to the school and if we lost. We had a coach. I will not tell you his nickname. But he would get so angry, he had a baseball bat underneath his seat. He'd pull that baseball out, bat out, and he'd start banging the front of those, you know, those metal things that go across the seats. And he'd start cursing us. I mean, cursing us out. And he, you know, the more he talked, the more he'd yell, and he'd curse more. He'd get, like, out of control. I mean, today we'd put him in jail, I think, if he did that, right? He'd bang at things, you know. And then he'd finally say, that's it! 
because then they, 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 every time, I remember one time it was raining, pouring rain. That's it. He'd say, Booth Hill. Now, Booth Hill was a three-mile, like, hill incline. You know, you're going to, you're lost, you're going to practice again. You know, and I remember we'd have to run three miles, another practice. You know, in the pouring rain, it's getting dark out. I'd come home, I'd go home to my mother, I'd say, Mom, it's 8 o'clock. Do you believe it? That he made us do practice all over again. And my mother would say, you probably deserved it. Good Italian mom right there, you know. So the point is, you know, when you mess up or you fail, most of us, we're used to getting smacked. You know, or at least some kind of like, you know, you loser. You know, get it together. You know, a little shame is not so bad for you type of thing. But, you know, Jesus shows up, and it's just tremendous. He shows up, and, and he doesn't tell them to repent. He doesn't rebuke them. He says, peace be with you. I mean, it's just incredible. You know, like, like when I... Like that word peace is the word shalom in, in, in Hebrew. It's a very rich, big word, and it's kind of hard to translate in English. But it really, it means like, it's like, it's like love, you know? It's like forgiveness. You know, it's, it's, it's favor, blessing. I mean, it's just like, dang. You know, like when I start my time with God in the morning, I like you, I mess up a lot, you know, and, and, uh, but I, I love this painting of the pro- parable of the prodigal son from Rembrandt. It goes back to the 1500s. But that's that great story in Luke 15. But remember, he, the, the son really messes up his life. But he comes back, and he just leans against the father's chest, you know. And you see the father's hands on him. I think, to me, that, that's, like, that's how you want to start every time you, spend, you, you, you think of Jesus. You, you spend time with Jesus, like, just, just like, like peace. Like, oh, like just, I love you. I love blessing, forgiveness. Like, that's his posture to you. You understand? The world's never going to treat you like that. Even in my best moments to my own children and wife, it's not nearly anything like that love of the Father coming at us. It's so powerful and pure. And Jesus walks into these guys who've messed up big time, and his first words twice are, peace be to you. Just love it. Now, we have a little, little, little exercise that, that gives you a sense of where you are and your understanding of Jesus. Imagine you're sitting on a park bench. You're sitting on a park bench. It's a nice day. And Jesus walks over and sits right next to you. All right, got it? And now you go, you turn over, you turn your head, and then Jesus turns his head. At that moment, your eyes lock. What do you think are his first words to you? Loser. (laughs) Is that all you can do? I love you, but I'm disappointed. Right? I mean, most of us, that's, that's how we see Jesus. Like that, that's his posture. He's, he's, he loves me. He has to, but he's disappointed because I'm not measuring up. I want, you, I want you to hear, I know that comes from our cultures. I know it comes from our families growing up, but I want you to understand that doesn't come from God. Very important. He's coming to you with peace. All right? He's coming. He he died for your sins. He was punished for your sins and mine. You don't need to pay it again. It was done. Finished. So, you know, we come to church for different reasons. You know, know, some of us, we come because it makes us feel better, which is true. You know, we come, we get peace. We get a feeling of God's love, which is wonderful. We love worship. That's good. Maybe a little inspiration from the sermon. That's nice, too. But I want you to understand that, yes, God brought you here. Number one, because he wants you to have an encounter with the living Jesus. You actually meet the living Jesus who's in our midst. And not only that, he wants to send you. He's bringing you here to meet Jesus every week. And then he is sending you by name. And that's why this text here, you know, know, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father, why don't you hear this? Jesus says, as Father sent me into the world, I'm sending you into the world. That's a very, very powerful phrase. As the Father has sent me. Imagine, he says to you, I am sending you out. Now, that word sending, uh, you know, it, it, it actually means like you're a little Christ. I'm sending you out as a Christian. Christ dash in. It means that you're, you're a sent one. When you say, people say, what are you? Say, I'm a Christian. What you're saying is, I'm a little Christ that's been sent. In the early, and, you know, Paul called it, you know, body of Christ. Well, the body of, what that means with well, the body of Christ, that means like when you're, 
out there every day, you are an, you're, you're like his legs and feet and all. You're, you're the body of Jesus out there. And the early church in their writings would refer to Christians, we were extensions of the incarnation. In other words, God in the flesh comes, he comes and lives inside of believers. We receive Jesus, he lives inside of us, and then as we go wherever you are, you're an extension of, the, of Jesus himself. Pretty powerful language, isn't it? You know, you're the salt of the earth, Jesus said. The world is, 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 is um, rotting. But you're salt. You, you give it life. You preserve it, and you give it taste. You, give it, you bring beauty wherever you go. In fact, you're the light of the world. The world is a dark place. You bring light wherever you go. That, that's who you are. In other words, you have an extraordinary calling in your life. You, your, your life is not just, oh, it's just me. No, no, no. You, you, you cannot, I, I say this, well, you, you, it's impossible to exaggerate the greatness of your calling. In other words, we so underestimate how significant our lives are. You have no idea how great and significant is your sentence into the world, how important you are. Now, I'm not saying, you know, if you're a, at work and you're doing a lousy job, don't go to your boss and say, hey, I'm a sent one. You know, don't, don't do that. Especially if you're doing a bad job. Don't do that, you know. Or don't go to your teacher, you didn't do your homework, and say, hey, I didn't do my homework, but I'm a Christian. I'm a sent one from Jesus. I'm an extension of the incarnation, you know. Don't get crazy on me, all right? No, that's... But I don't, think, I don't think that's most... Most of us, we don't have any vision. We have very little vision and understanding that as the Father has sent Jesus, so Jesus is sending you into the world. That, so significant. Now, now it's tricky because our, our relationship to the world is, is, is a little bit tricky because we're sent into the world. You're not, you weren't taken out of the world. You're being sent into the world, yet and you're to love people. God loves, so loved the world. He loves people with an immense love, and we are to love that world but we're not to love the values of the world. All right, do not love the world or anything that's in the world. For all those values are going to pass away. And, and so our roots are not in this world, but yet we are, we are sent into it. It's not our source of worth and value, but yet it's, our, it's not the measure of who we are, but yet we're sent into it to love it. So when Jesus says, you know, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, um, if you put it this way, the, the most famous verse in the Bible is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him, would not perish but have everlasting life. You could read that verse like this. For God so loved the world that he sent William to the world, that he too might bring Christ. For God so loved the world that he sent Paul. He sent Helen. For God so loved the world that he sent you into that school, into that family, into that community, into that country. He so loved the world that he has now sent you. That's power. That's how much he loved the world. The Father sent me, so now I'm sending you. You say, well, how? that's why Jesus says, anyone who welcomes you, he who welcomes you welcomes me, Jesus says, as you go. And he who does not welcome you does not welcome me because you go in my name. You belong to me. And you say, well, I, I don't know, Jesus. You got the wrong guy here, right? You got not me. I, you, I mean, what a, what a mess. And, and you say, gee, I mean, do you know my past? You know, what I've done, all the mess-ups? And, uh, and so that's why Jesus does, does this next. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he says, with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why don't you catch that? Again, completely free. No, 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 in fact, then he says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are, not, are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And, and, and this was never said to any great Old Testament prophet or king uh, or priest. Never in history. He said, you are so powerful now. He goes, he goes, now you proclaim to people about Jesus that he can forgive your sins. Or if not, you hold on to your sins. You know, you, but he wants to wipe them out at the cross and receive him. And they say, they don't want to do it. He said, well, they, they keep their sins. You know, they're not forgiven. But we actually communicate that message to the world. That is enormous power. 
But he says, uh, you're saying, I, I can't do this. That's why this next is so key, verse 22. He wants to breathe on you. I know you can't live this. You can't sustain it, neither can I. But he wants to breathe on you to receive the Holy Spirit that you become somebody who you're not right now. And not just the moment you become a Christian. Every time we read this passage, we should be receiving the Holy Spirit afresh. Another wave of the Holy Spirit. Because you have been called to an extraordinary calling. You're being sent in the world in a way that you have, it's, it's, it's something very, very different than you've lived before. So the question is, what does it mean when Jesus says, I am sending you? Like, what does that look like? Um, and there's a lot I could say about that. So let's try to break it down a bit, all right? You are sent. So you are sent to breathe in that love of Jesus. You know, and then you breathe out the love of Jesus. That's our life, breathing in constantly, breathing it out. Um, but we, we do let people know that the most important event in human history was really the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. There's nothing comparable that every search and hunger and people have is for him. He really is the bread of life. We do make that known, that people are chasing after a lot of the wrong things. But you're sent to share with people that their worth and value and meaning and purpose is not found in how many hearts you get on Instagram or how many likes you get on Facebook or how many followers you have on Twitter. That we're, it's, it's not for how rich you are or powerful or educated or famous. That None of that will ever satisfy a human being because you were made for something so much greater. You were made for Jesus. And people don't know that. You, you are sent into this political environment here in the United States. This crazy political environment. You're sent into those discussions when people are fighting. And we, we, we say we don't belong to the Republican Party. We don't belong to the Democratic Party. We don't belong to the right and we don't belong to the left. We belong to Jesus. And we'll never fit in one political Right, in some countries and seasons of life, we'll be, on, we'll be considered right-wingers. In others, we'll be considered left-wingers. It all depends. On, we don't move because we are, in a sense, prophetic. We belong to Jesus. So we speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. We speak for the poor and the marginalized and the refugee and the unborn and the elderly, the mentally and physically challenged. We don't hate people ever. We don't slander people and do character assassinations. Ever. What we do is we pray for people. We, we advocate justice and just laws and opportunities and healthy systems and care for the planet, etc. But we're sent into the political arena differently than everybody else. Because we're sent by Jesus into that. You know, you're sent to be a witness by living out every stage of your life differently. I mean, every stage of life has different challenges. Teenagers, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Like every season and stage has its own challenges. But we, because we're sent by Jesus, go into those age moments differently. So for example, if you're, if you're a student and you're in junior high or high school or college or grad school, you don't do this, all right? It's not, not you. Everyone else is sleeping, but not you. Because you've been sent to that classroom by God. And we love learning because why God's about, you know, God's created this incredible universe with which we're, we're curious about. But, but you know, it's not about SAT scores or, or making a million dollars by 30. It's about life. And like Daniel and David were teenagers. These guys had such an impact. It's such a young age. And, you know, we're never too young what God might want to do with our lives. But we're sent to the classroom. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't believe in retirement. There's no such thing as retirement. You're sent by God. Now, you may transition your job at 50 or 60 or 70, and it's fine. And you transition to another way that you're being sent by God. Maybe it's not going to be paid. But, but as long as you're breathing, you are sent. Moses was 80 when he got started. His biggest calling. Abraham was 75. You know, Joshua says, when he was old and well advanced in years, the Lord said to him, you're very old. Thanks, God. You're very old. 
Joshua 13. But there are still very large areas for you to take. Large areas of land that you are to take. In other words, God has something for you at every season of your life. He's sending you. Even the way we die, we die differently. We are sent to leave the earth differently. Why? Because we know Jesus, who is risen from the dead, and we're not afraid. In fact, you're sent to love and to help people to love. You know, uh, this book was written recently by an MIT professor. Uh, it's called Reclaiming Conversation, The Power of Talk in a Digital Age. And this woman is probably the foremost researcher on the impact of technology on people. And uh, so it's a, quite an important book, actually. I encourage you to pick it up, uh, especially parents or those of you in the workforce. Uh, and she's not against digital technology at all. Uh, she's just into containing it. So, for example, she, she, as she's studying the impact, uh, for example, Americans check their cell phone every six and a half minutes. Have you checked yours in the last five? I checked mine right now. Most teenagers send 100 texts a day. 80% of teenagers sleep with their phones. I've been asking around. I said, do you sleep with your phone? Everyone's saying yes to me. I, I, I feel like I have to sleep with my phone now. I don't know what I'm missing. 44% of people never unplug. They're ever unplugged. Uh, and uh, when they go to dinner, when they're exercising, even in church, And her research has shown the, the enormous impact of this on the workplace. Because for the, first, for the first time, we have people going into the workplace who were raised on digital, on, on being connected all the time. And so they're finding a big shift because uh, the, the impact of that, you don't have having a hard time having eye contact in conversation. The conversations have been so limited now. The ability to do difficult emotions, because now when, most people, when they're sad, they go, they, go on, they, go, they go to their phones when they're sad. I don't want to do difficulties, so I, I go to my phone to distract. So conflict, I send the text, you know, and, and so it's impacting now workplaces. They're having to retrain managers to deal with all these folks now coming in that don't have certain skills that others have. And they found that, for example, college students, the empathy, the ability of college students to be empathetic has gone down 40%. And so when you live a life where you're creating, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram, Kind of, I'm, I'm telling you the story of my life along the way. I'm, I'm not showing you the vulnerable parts of me. I'm, I'm showing you, you know, the, the, the part, I'm showing you the me, I, in a sense, I want to be. Always happy, always looking good, life is good, you know. And, and so it's like, and like you do that long enough, and she says basically like it gets very confusing about who you are because you're like, you've got this image that you've put out there that's not totally not you, but it's not you either. Because not showing the broken parts of you and the hardness of life and, and the stuff that conversations take. And, and you can imagine the impact on families and dinner tables. It was just gigantic. And now relationships for, for, for young people and sexuality. I mean, she's, it's quite a, quite a, quite a pretty research. But she says this. She talks about how you can't have relationships unless you know how to be alone. And the problem is now with digital technology, the way people are alone is they surf the web. You know, they go through Twitter feeds and Facebook. In other words, it, it's kind of like the free float. They say, I want to get some solitude. I'll, float, I'll, do, I'll just float around, you know, and a couple hours pass. I've had, some, I've had my time alone now, and now I'll go back to work. And this is what she writes. She writes this. Too many adults and children become anxious and lonely without a constant feed of online stimulation. We slip into thinking that always being connected is going to make us less lonely. But it's actually the reverse. If we are unable to be alone, we will be more lonely. And so part of what we do, we're sent by Jesus into the world. We are sent by Jesus to help people love. And so we're helping people actually make connections. We're present with people eye to eye. We're not, I don't know, the, the name for fubbing, you ever heard of fubbing? I'm, I'm talking to you eye to eye, but I'm texting at the same time. I love it. Now, I'm actually going to talk to you and see you. I'm going to be present with you. And we bring, we're sent into the world to actually to love and to teach people to love. What an opportunity. And, uh, you know, you're, you're sent, actually, you are sent to create and shape in wherever you work, the marketplace, you are sent into that chaos. Now, listen, I, I talk to you all the time. It feels like, oh, Pete, you don't know my place where I work. Oh, man. 
The devil's at the place that I work, man. It's demonic in there, man. Backbiting and hatred and, you know, stabby in the back and gossip. And, oh, I can't wait to get out. I say, no, you don't understand. That's why you're there. You were sent there. You're sent by Jesus into those places. You know, some of you work in, in the corporate world on Wall Street or in business, and it's competitive as dog eat dog. People will slice you up and cut you out leaving you in the street. In a second, they won't pay their bills. I know. But you were sent there by Jesus into the marketplace. You know, some of you work in healthcare, you're doctors and nurses and, you know, physicians, assistants, physicians, assistants, and you were sent there. You're different than everybody else. You're sent as a little Christ. You know, some of you are in education, you're teachers and you're professors and you're assistants and you're principals and vice principals. You were sent into that city-run 1.1 million school, person school system that I know has got a bureaucracy that many of you call demonic, that destroys people's lives and kids, but you were sent in there by Jesus to build community, to breathe life, to bring his love. Some of you are in social services. You work in addiction programs. You work as therapists and counselors and mental health profession. You've been sent there to bring Jesus and bring life through, through being present with people in some of you work for the city, you work for the state, you work for the federal government. You're like, oh my gosh, Pete, you were sent there by God. You were sent to be salt, to be light, to be an extension of Christ, to be the body of Christ. Some of you are in the arts, and you're, you're musicians, and you're, 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 you're actors, and you're playwrights, and, 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 and you're in a, it's a tough business. I mean, you've been sent by God into that. And we've got some people in our church that have done an incredible job. But you are, you are sent there. You're not just floating there because you're gifted. You were sent by Jesus for a very specific reason. In fact, some of you are unemployed. You're unemployed differently. You were sent to be unemployed differently, all right? And so that even that transition, you're kind of waiting, but, but you're not like everybody else. You're not freaking out because you know that Jesus is on the throne, and he's got something for you, and you're kind of waiting. I mean, you graduated college. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing next year. I'm looking for a job. I know, but you understand? You're sent by Jesus. He's sending you somewhere. He gave you a gift of an education. Now you're like, where next? And, and you can trust him. That's why it's so important to stay connected to him because you're being sent somewhere. And you're listening and waiting on him on where he wants you to go. Because your life is so extraordinary, whoever gets you is getting a gift. It's a blessing that you've entered that place. You're not like everybody else. You know, if you're married... You're not like secular marriages. If you're single, you're not like secular singles. You're different. Your marriage is meant to be a sign and a wonder that bears witness to Christ. You're single. Your singleness is meant to be a sign and wonder that bears witness to Christ. You're not like everybody else. That's why getting equipped is so important. You're, you're a parent in this room. You don't parent like everybody else because you've been sent by Jesus to parent those children. So your values are different. Your concerns are different. You're not copying all the other parents. You're not a, a helicopter mom or dad. You're not a drone, okay? You're not a bulldozer. You want God's will for that kid. You want Christ for that child. You let go in an appropriate way, but you're, you're not doing what other folks are doing. Why? Because you've been sent by God into that. Now, I, I love, there's a, there's, a, um, there's a quote by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and many of us miss this, how... Because the sentness, how we're sent by Jesus into the world, it, 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 the way it plays out is quite different for all of us. But so often he's using our tragedies and brokenness and, and failures and disabilities. This is the way that he sends us into the world. I, I love, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross a, is a famous author on grief and loss, probably the most famous. And she wrote this. She goes, the most beautiful people are those who have known defeat. Struggle, su um, defeat, suffering, struggle, and loss, and have found their way out of those depths. Let me ask you a question. Do you know defeat? Do you know suffering and struggle and loss? Because so often out of that place, God is shaping you out of your weakness and your brokenness. And out of that, you are going to offer a gift to the world. This is the opposite of social media, of hiding it. You actually do what Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses. 
Now, the woman I've got there in a picture, her name is Magi Barankiste from Burundi. Now, she was, in, she was there during the Rwandan-Burundi genocide in 1993. And uh, that's civil war. And so during the Civil War, she takes refuge in a bishop's uh, palace or headquarters to flee for her life. At that point, she has seven adopted children. They come into her, this compound, and they strip her naked, put her in a chair, because she's actually the tribe that's slaughtering everybody. And 72 people are slaughtered in front of her. Horrific. And then her best friend, they behead her, and they put her friend's head on her lap. And she bears an unspeakable horror for that short period of time. Now, she somehow escapes with her seven children and 25 other now orphans. And she begins to care for them. And she creates an organization over the years called House of Peace. And she builds schools and, you know, homes and, and uh, a hospital and eventually a, a swimming pool. And she builds a swimming pool on the land where they actually had slaughtered the most people. Because she says, where the place of death is going to become a place of life. And she makes that swimming pool, not just a swimming pool, but it's a baptismal pool. And she has, since 1993, she has served over 20 to 30,000 orphans. And she only recently was recognized. Um, George Clooney gave her, you know, she's gotten awards at Duke and George Clooney recently. But the, the president of Burundi called her the, the mother of the country. Other people in her country, you know what they called her? Crazy woman. That's so interesting. But her project, she says, was built on faith in the love of God and a belief that God can change people. And that cycle of violence and hatred can be broken through Jesus. And she had a deep sense, I was sent into this for a purpose. Now, some of you have had horrible things happen to you. Maybe you've done some horrible things. You've had traumas. You've got your struggles and defeats. But I want you to understand something. You want to be listening because out of that so often, God is sending you into the world. He's sending you in Jesus' name to be a gift to the world. As a father has sent me, so I'm sending you. We go in our weakness and we go in our brokenness to be a gift to people. I mean, EHS... Emotionally spirituality, new life fellowship. To me, our gift to the world is that of our brokenness and failures of our early years. Sadly, you know what? You know what many of us do in life? This is what happens to us. We got our head in the sand. We're just like, I don't see, I don't know, vision. I don't see sending me. I don't see. I'm, I'm just trying to survive, Pete. You know what? I don't see a thing you're talking about. Or maybe some of you, you know, you started out real good. Like, maybe... Maybe you got started this Christian thing. You're like, yeah, 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 God's sending me. And you kind of got, kind of started going, taking some steps. And then you, like, all of a sudden, like, you're like, oh, my God. And you got stuck. Like, like a blizzard came. And your railroad train in your life just said, you're done. You're like, that, that train is not moving. Okay? The snow has stopped it. And maybe you're stopped today, and you, you don't have any sense of where you're going. And you can't even see any way out of it. I can't even imagine, Pete. These are all just, these are all just words. Or some of us, I'm sorry, some of us, that's us. See those eyes? I love those eyes, you know. We're like, like you know what, we were kind of moving along in life, and then life happens, doesn't it? And we fell into a ditch. And we're looking around, we're like, you know what, we're like, we're in a ditch. And we're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get out of this one. As a father sent me, so I'm sending you. I don't know, maybe, maybe someday, but I don't see it. You know, and you're looking around. And you're saying, Pete, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just not going anywhere. So he, I want you to hear this, okay? I want you to hear this from the lips of Jesus. He says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And, then it, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now listen, he's going to breathe on you. Now I don't want you to duck, all right? Because you can duck, so I don't want it. But he brought you here today to breathe on you. Because you can't do this on your own. Now, maybe you can get psyched up after a good worship service and, a, and I can pump you up a little bit and you'll be good for about three hours. 
and that'll be it. But I'm talking about having a sense of sentness in your teenage years and 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, 80s, 90s, as long as you have breath, that you've got a deep sense that you are sent into this world. That's powerful. That requires the breath of the Holy Spirit. Not just one shot. You are drinking this breath of the Spirit of God inside of you, and it's making you somebody you're not. And what's interesting, again, when he says receive the Holy Spirit, it's free. You don't work for it. He doesn't say, okay, listen now, William, before I give you the Spirit, you better, I want to see you pray. Get on your knees. You pray up a storm, then I'll give you some Spirit. You read the Bible every day for two hours, then I'll give you more Spirit. You fast a little bit, then I'll give you a little bit more. But you basically earn it. That's not the way it comes down here. Do you understand? It's just, it's free. It's just free. You want it? Just don't duck. Receive it. It's just like peace. Just receive it. These disciples, I mean, listen, Thomas, the apostle, these guys, these, these, these disciples, they, they were mess-ups. That's why it's so good. These, that's why Jesus chose these guys from Galilee. I mean, these weren't PhDs, guys living in $400,000 apartments here. I mean, these guys, these were like, these were uneducated fishermen. They, they were ordinary people, and they messed up big time. I mean, Thomas didn't even show up to church. I mean, this meeting's happening on a Sunday. He didn't show up. I don't know where he is. I mean, why are you breathing on him? I don't know. You got, you got, you got Peter. Peter, it's out of control. I mean, cutting off people's ears, jumping out of boats, saying satanic things through his mouth. No, Jesus, you'll never go to the cross. And Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan. I mean, the guy is, he's just a dangerous guy. And you're saying, Jesus breathes on him and he becomes the head of the church. I mean, would you make him the head of the church? Never. Get in the back of the line, you know. Prove yourself a bit and talk to me in two to three years and we'll see if we can get you a job as an usher. I mean, right now... You're not preaching. You're not leading anything. But you see, the point is that this life with Jesus is supernatural. You, you, you're not like other, I'm not, you're not other people. If you've received Jesus, he lives inside of you. It's free grace. Live in the love of God. You're breathing in that peace, that love of God, the blessing of God. We live in that place. The world's not giving it to you. As much as I love my kids, I, I can't give it to them. As much as Jesus can give it to you. And then he wants to breathe, receive the Holy Spirit. Because you're living out of a power source that the world doesn't know of. It's God flowing through you through decades of your life. Friends, that's amazing. That's just amazing. So here's what I want to ask you as we close here. I want you to repeat with me these, these phrases. So you wake up tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up, and maybe you're going to be like, I, I got a headache. All right? I need my coffee or tea. You know, get your tea. Fine, get your coffee. And you sit down. You're open. Okay. And you want to just want to receive, like that Rembrandt painting, just receive the love of God. Just peace. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, receive his love and just be still. And then you want to say, wow, today, you know, whatever you got going that day, you know, okay, I'm sent today. I am sent. And then you review your day. Who are you going to meet with that day? What do you got headed? What are you, go, what are you doing? Well, you, you say, I am I'll change your day. Can you say it with me right now? I am sent. Just try it. Just try it every day this week. I'm sent. Hear those words. And okay, as Father sending, as Father sent me, so I am sending you. You underestimate and I underestimate our significance. Look around this room. You have no idea of the greatness of your life and what God means it to be. You may never see it fully in your lifetime. That's okay. That Simon uh, fellow never saw it. The reason I gave out the, the two folks from the two names from Africa and China, those two guys, is because they seem so extraordinary. But you're, you are equally extraordinary. And the ordinary things that you're involved in before God in this world, that that extraordinary. But we have to receive the Holy Spirit, that breath and that love and say, okay, God, here I am. So again, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. So our goal at New Life Fellowship, you know what it is? Is to equip you to stay connected with Jesus. Our whole goal is your relationship with Jesus. Because if you're not connected, you're not listening. If you're not abiding and remaining in Jesus, 
You're not hearing. He's saying, okay, you're sent today. I don't hear anything. Of course you don't hear anything. That's why classes and small groups and communities, everything we're doing, we need each other in this thing because no one else but God is going to tell you you're special and you're sent in the same way that Jesus is here in this text and together. So um, let me close with this. There's a great, there's a great um, blessing here by Richard Halverson. Richard Halverson was a famous pastor years ago, generation ago, and he also was a chaplain for the U.S. Senate in Congress for uh, 13 years. At the end of his life, he was asked, hey, what's the, what's, the, um, what's the most helpful, impactful thing you've ever given to people? And he said, he thought about it, he says, I believe it was this blessing. And he would give it at the end of every service and at the U.S. Senate at the end of every time they had a session. And here's what it reads. It goes, you go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being there. Christ lives in you and has something he wants to do through you where you are. Believe this and go in the grace and love and power of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you, like Dave, are going to be sent to other places. Others of you come from Siberia and Indonesia and other places around the world. God's brought you to New York. And he sent you here to be here, but he has sent you here for reasons. Once Sir Lankin told me, the first service, he goes, I know I was sent by God here. And he knows he was sent to Sir Lankin's all over the world. But he knows he was sent here to New Life, to this community, to Queens, by God. I know it was phenomenal. So I want to invite the worship team to come on forward. And we're going to take communion. And there's many ways that we receive the love of Jesus, right? Scripture, worship, but one of the ways is communion, the Lord's table. And we're going to receive his love, we're going to receive the breath of the Holy Spirit, the life of Jesus coming into us through communion. So I'm going to invite you all to stand with me. Now, this communion table this Lord, it's called the Lord's table. We come to this table. It's a free gift of grace. It's a free meal. You don't, again, like, you don't come here because you've earned it or prayed enough or been good enough. We come to this table through Jesus. We come in the name of Jesus. We come through the perfect life and the perfect death of Jesus. That's it. So we all come on equal footing. There's no better and worse people here. We just come as you are and we receive it. That's, it's called grace. Ah, there's nothing like it in the universe, friends. The grace of God. And so that bread represents life. Jesus, the bread of life. And that cup represents the blood that Jesus shed. It's not a cow like Dave talked about earlier. It, it, it's a once-time blood, blood that was shed out of love for you and I, that we are free. That we are free men and women here in this room and able to be sent by God into the so we're going to invite you to come forward. You'll take the bread. You'll dip it in the cup. But hold on to it until after worship. Then we'll all partake together. Okay? So let me pray and that's before we begin. And let's, I want to bless these elements and this time. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for this table, Lord. Who are we that we might be able to come to this table in the name of Christ. We, we were amazed, Lord, at your love. And so we receive it right now. Bless these elements. Bless the bread. Bless the cup. May we meet you here at this table. In Jesus' name. Amen. God brings to your mind that you need to confess. Just take a moment. Just ask God to forgive you of whatever sin or anything you might be carrying that might be an obstacle between you and God. Just say, God, forgive me. Just cleanse me, Lord. There's a prayer we pray together at communion. If you could put that up, that'd be great. And uh, it's a prayer that we kind of pray corporately as a community before we take communion. Okay, so let's pray this together back to God. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. Repent of the evil that enslaves us, the 
evil we have done and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love serve you in your name. So this is the, this is the body of Christ, the bread of life. We're going to take it right now together, dipped in the wine, the blood of Christ. So I want to invite you now to receive us together, all together, receive the, the living Jesus inside of us. invite the prayer teams forward. For God so loved the world that he sent you. He sent you to your family. He sent you to your classroom. He sent you to your business. He sent you to your neighborhood. That's how much God loves the world. So as we close here and our prayer teams are to your right. You know, as in the first two services, I want to invite you to come forward and maybe you need someone to lay hands on you. And sometimes a a greater release and power of the Holy Spirit is given through a laying on of hands. And you're saying, I need incredible power. That's how stuck I am. Come forward. Let us pray for you. And you may be here today. You're not connected. You know, you're not connected to Jesus in a way that you even are able to hear him. And you know you've got to get connected. Maybe for the first time. Maybe you just lost your way. Please come. Because he is sending you to the world. Your life is that important. It's that significant. And if you've gotten down in a hole and you can't see right now, you just you want to just come. And by coming forward, you're, you're saying, oh, God, help me. And God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So come forward, all right, and they'll pray for you. Anybody open your hands up towards heaven like this. And let me speak a blessing over you. I'm going to pray that blessing that we read earlier and um, over you. Close your eyes and just receive a blessing. And it's the peace of Jesus being spoken over you. And you go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose and you're being there. Christ lives in you and has something he wants to do through you where you are. Believe this. Trust this. And go in the grace and love and power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Everybody said, thank you, everybody. God bless you.